Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven, and hey, 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 hey. That was a lot of haze. Many haze for you today's, because today, this episode is the first episode of season two of the aforementioned podcast. I, I already said the title. I don't want to say it again. Starting with season two, however... I almost feel like the 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 podcast needs to be renamed. I made a list between seasons of the books and storylines that I wanted to cover. And while I I will be talking about the occasional new book now and now and again, most everything on my list is books that I first read when I was a preteen or a teenager, basically a kid. So it's almost like the podcast needs to be called Midlife crisis because I'm reliving my childhood through the stories that I read as a child. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And so, to kick us off with season two, one of my probably most favorite comic book series from back in the day when I was a kid. I'm talking about Elf Quest here. Now, this first came out in 1978. I'm going to give you some information about the book. We're going to talk just about issue number one today, and then throughout the next, I don't know, months, years, I don't know how long it's going to take, because it's not going to be, I'm not going to talk about ElfQuest, I'm not going to talk about ElfQuest every single episode, but once a month, once every couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about an issue, and we're going to try to get through the entire series, not just the original quest, 
which is what the first 20 issues were called. We're also talking the hidden years. We're talking uh, the others that I haven't read yet. <laughs> Siege at Blue Mountain. The Final Quest. There's even a new series that just started last month that I I was going to get. I thought, holy crap, new ElfQuest. I've got to buy this. But really, when I look at all of the ElfQuest that's out there stretched out before me, I've really only ever read a small fraction of it. But I've read the crap out of it. When I was a kid, I came across this book. I talked about this once back on uh, an episode of Stephen or Else. But I came across this book in our house, and I don't recall how it got there. The original quest, which is what they call the first 20 issues of ElfQuest, was at one point collected into four full-color volumes. It was originally published in black and white, but then it was released in four full-color volumes. And we had one in the house. This is early 80s, and I don't remember... I don't remember where it came from. I just remember stumbling across it, and it was book two or three. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. I, I feel like it was book number three. And eventually we got book four and then book one and book two. But when I came across this book, it must have been my older brothers, but when I came across it, I started flipping through it, and I just, I was in awe. It is a, it's a fantasy book about elves, and it is so beautifully drawn, and the story is so good, I devoured this book. I must have read it four or five times before I had been able to acquire books one and two. Now, ElfQuest was created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. Now, they are a husband and wife team. Wendy wrote, and she was the artist. Richard helped with the writing. They first published ElfQuest issue number one, in a, I don't know, I, I'm assuming it was an anthology magazine called Fantasy Quarterly back in February of 1978. The first issue, the first, what would what would end up being issue number one was actually broken up into two parts, Fire and Flight, part one and two. And it had a uh, story in between the two parts in this issue of Fantasy Quarterly that was illustrated by Dave Sim. That was the Cerebus dude. I've never read any Cerebus. But the story was called Doorway to the Gods by T. Casey Brennan. So this issue of Fantasy Quarterly came out and the Peenies were so disappointed in the quality of this book. I guess the paper sucked. I don't know. I, I don't own a copy. I'm sure the copy's probably worth hundreds of thousands of dollars by now. But it inspired them to create their own publishing company and they called it Warp. W-A-R-P, which, which actually just stood for Wendy and Richard Peeney. And then they released, the, the first issue they released from Warp was issue number two of ElfQuest, which I found kind of weird. But eventually they re-released issue number one. And at some point, Marvel even picked up the license. I was going through the history of ElfQuest and Marvel owned the license back in the 80s and they reproduced the first 20 issues under their epic line. And the original issues were magazine size. They were 32 pages. And when Marvel, when they got a hold of the license and they republished the issues, they did them in, in, of course, comic book size at 22 pages. So some of the stuff had to be changed a bit. I guess there was some stuff added and ways to bridge the story to make sense in just 22 pages. And I do remember 
getting those. I don't recall if I had started getting, if uh, Marvel started producing those before I got books one and two of those collections, or if the first time I read the first part of the story was through Marvel. I honestly don't remember. But DC owned the property at one point. I had no idea. They started to re-release all the stories on, um, I believe it was hardcover, possibly. And now Dark Horse owns the property. And not they don't own the property. They, they own the license. They publish the books for the Peenies. And so the new series that's out right now, and I, I can't think of the name of it because I'm trying to ignore it. I'm trying to ignore the fact that there are brand new single issue comics from ElfQuest out there, but they're being uh, they're being published by Dark Horse. So issue number one, let's let's just talk about issue number one, shall we? Again, this was broken up into two parts. It's called Fire and Flight Parts One and Two, and we open with a bunch of humans. One is a is a tall, lanky old man with long white hair. He is preaching to these humans who are gathered around this giant stone in this circle. And these are not, this is a time, I should explain that the world that ElfQuest takes place on is not our world. It's not Earth, but it's very similar to Earth. The, the, the major difference here is that their world has two moons. And at this point during the history of ElfQuest, the world is actually called the world of two moons. I think that's what the humans call it. They are, the humans are kind of, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of an era Basically, they, they're, they're, they're practically naked. They have loincloths on. They, uh, they use tools. They appear to have uh, stone weapons, spears, and stone knives. So they're not, while this is considered a fantasy story, they are not, actually, you might even consider it sci-fi. I don't know, but they're not. It's not sword and sorcery at this point. They're not advanced to the point of wearing plate mail armor and riding horses and carrying swords and all that. The elves, however, they do carry steel weapons, steel swords, axes, um, which are created, forged underground by the trolls. And we'll meet them in a bit. But as the story opens... These humans, they're, it's, it's nighttime. They have a big fire going. The, the, the main guy, he's like their shaman. He's preaching and they, um, this big giant stone behind them, they have an elf tied to it. They're going to sacrifice this elf or as they call it, a demon spirit to their god, Gotara. And we learn here how the elves, the elves are not indigenous to the world of two moons. We learn how they come to the world of two moons. They... They came to this world on a giant, like a flying castle, basically. And it was thousands of years in the past. The, the humans at that point were just basically cavemen. And the palace, as they call it, this giant flying castle, lands where these, these brutish humans are, are witness. And these elves come out and they're dazed. They don't know what's going on. And they reach out in kindness to the humans and the humans start killing them. And then the elves run off into the trees to hide. That's, that's the only information we're really given at the beginning of this book. We do learn more about how the elves got to Earth. Not Earth. I, why did I say Earth? Why did I say that? I should slap myself, but I won't. We do learn eventually more backstory about the elves and how they came to the world of two moons. But at this point in the story, that's all we know. 
so after they tell us that that backstory, and it's only a couple of pages, they do a really good job of of not giving us. They give us just enough information, but not enough, not too much to overwhelm us. We come back into the present. Like I said, these humans are going to kill this elf, this demon spirit. And here is where we we are introduced to the wolf riders. This elf that is tied up that is about to be killed is one of these wolf riders. This is the first tribe of elves that we are introduced to in the book. And they are our main protagonists. This is this is the group that we follow around for pretty much the entire Elf Quest saga. And they are led by an elf by the name of Cutter. He is the 11th chief of the Wolf Riders. He has what they refer to as the blood of 10 chiefs in him. And he is watching from concealment with his best friend, his boy, Skywise. And they're watching what's about to happen to Red Lance. Now, the reason why they're called Wolf Riders is they ride wolves. There is more explanation as we go along in the in the original quest, which again is the first 20 issues of ElfQuest. But we learn, we, we don't know a lot about it at this point. All we know is that the elves ride wolves and they come riding into this human camp and they, they kill one of the humans and they, they, they rescue this other elf whose name is Red Lance. And then Cutter threatens this human shaman. He tells them, next time I will kill you. Never do this again. And then they, they escape and they go back to their home, which they call the Holt. And it's just a collection of, of, of there is like a giant tree and it's been shaped by magic and they live in and around this giant tree and they typically only come out at night, but they bring Red Lance back to his, his wife. They call them life mates. Her name is Nightfall. And then Cutter and Skywise go, go, go hang out there. You know, there's not much more they can do. Red Lance is being cared for. He's not going to die. Everybody's happy. Successful mission. He tells Red Lance, never do that again. What are you doing? You know you're not supposed to hunt near the human lands. And Red Lance is like, sorry, dude, but, you know, it was a big old deer. And I kind of forgot where I was. And I know we're only supposed to, I know we're not supposed to hunt alone, but I, it, the thrill of the chase, my friend. And so Cutter and Skywise go off and they're hanging out. And we learn here that Skywise his name comes from the fact that he is really into stars. He is into stargazing and anything that's up in the sky, the idea of flying and all that. Well, as they're chilling and Skywise is talking about the stars, they get an alert from their wolves. And it's here that we find that the elves can speak to each other and their wolves in their minds. They call it sending. So Cutter's wolf whose name is Night Runner, he comes running up and he tells Cutter that there are humans coming and that they have fire. And so Cutter, using this telepathic communications, he sends out a command to all the warriors of the tribe. We got Scouter, One-Eye, Strongbow, Tree Stump, and Pike. And they all go to meet these humans. And the humans are standing there in the woods near the Holt and they have these torches. And Cutter's like, I thought I told you that I will kill you. What are you doing? And the shaman's like, you must be burned from this land. You are a plague. And Cutter's like, you're crazy. If you, you're going you're gonna to be hurt as well. If you burn the forest, what are you going to hunt? Where are you going to live? And the human's like, hey, our God will protect us. And he sets fire to the forest. And Cutter gathers up. 
He get he gets back to the to the Holt and he tells everybody the forest is burning down. Gather what you can. We have to leave now. Skywise says, "Well, where are we going to go? Where's going to be safe?" And he says, "There's only one place that will be safe to us, and that is the caverns of the trolls." And that's how part one ends. So part two opens. They are at this little doorway that leads underground and their cutter's knocking on the door and he's, you know, yelling to open up and this troll opens up the door and there's an arrangement apparently between the elves and the trolls. They, they barter. The, the trolls hunt and they provide the, or the, the elves hunt and they provide the trolls with their meat and their furs so they can make clothing. And then the el- the trolls in return provide them with metalworking, whether it's weapons or bowls or, or whatever they need. They, they are the, the metalsmiths. And apparently through this relationship, however, through this arrangement, they, they come to, and I'm just reading into it based on what little tiny information they give to us. But when they come to the door, the troll comes out. They do all their bartering outside the door. But in this case, the elves push their way into the caverns and... A troll comes up to them. His name is Picknose. He he comes in later. He's got a fairly big part in the full story of ElfQuest. But he comes in and he wants to know what the heck's going on. Why are there elves in their in their tunnels? And Cutter's explaining to him that the forest is is on fire, the holt is on fire, they need a place to 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 stay until it's safe to go back out. And so Picknose takes him to go see their king, the king of the trolls, King Greymung. So when they they're they're they go to meet the king and they're talking to the king and at one point there's this big rock, this big stone like uh, twice the size of a basketball on the ground in front of the king's throne. And Skywise is talking to the king and he's got this metal bracelet on and it sticks to the metal because it's a it's a, it sticks to the stone because it's a it's a magnet. And he is right away he's very interested in this stone. And He's checking it out and the, the, the king is telling him, you know, get off my stone, dude. Get away. Shove off. And Skywise doesn't do it. So the king punches him in the face and that, that angers Cutter and he pulls his sword and he leaps up onto the king and it looks like he's going to stab him. But instead he smacks his blade against the stone and a chip from the stone flies off and Skywise grabs it and he goes, there, a gift from the king. And that stone, this little stone will play an important part in the story as well. So the elves are basically telling the trolls, look, we just need a little bit of help. And frankly, you owe us because you wouldn't eat if it wasn't for us. You wouldn't have any clothing if it wasn't for us. And the trolls are laughing. Ha ha, whatever. You know that the only reason you give us that stuff, it's not out of the kindness of your hearts. It's because you want our metal. You want our swords and our knives and all that junk. Well, when this whole thing goes down between Skywise and the King and Cutter and Cutter holds, you know, after he 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 uh, chips off this stone for Skywise, he points his sword into Greymung's face and he's like, look, you're going to help us whether you like it or not, because our, our home has been destroyed. We need a place. We know we can't stay here, but we need to stay here until the flames die down and we can go out and find a new place to live. And Greymung just, Greymung says, you know what? I've got an idea. Pick nose. Why don't you take these elves through the tunnel of golden light? And through that tunnel, you'll come out into a new land, green, forested, like your Holt, but better. 
because there are no humans out there. And the elves are like, hmm, they scratch their heads. That sounds great, but can we trust the trolls? And Cutter says, well, what, what options do we have? And so they all set off, and they're days later traveling through these caverns, through these tunnels for days, and they come out into this tunnel, and they can see sunlight pouring in from the other end of it. And they all go rushing forward. They reach the mouth of the cave, and they look out upon the new land, and it's just desert. Bright, bright sunshine and desert. And it's at that point that the tunnel collapses behind them. He had, Cutter had had set Tree Stump. He's like the oldest elf, and you know he's the oldest is because he's got a beard. He told him, look, I need you to watch Picknose. Because Picknose couldn't come up front with him. He's the, the sun's too bright. The the trolls don't go out during sun during the day. The trolls, the sunlight is too bright. And so he tells Tree Stump, Well, you watch him. We're gonna go check it out. You watch him, make sure he doesn't do anything. The tunnel collapses. Tree Stump gets out just in time onto their side of the tunnel. He's not caught in the collapse, and he tells Cutter, Picknose touched the wall and the, the ceiling came down. And that's when they realized this was all planned from the beginning just to get rid of the elves. What are they going to do now? Because all they can see stretched out before them for miles and miles and miles is dead earth, sand, no water, no trees, no vegetation, sand and sun. What are they going to do? And that's where the issue ends. Now, I have to imagine that if this was the first experience I had with ElfQuest, I still would have been enraptured. I can't quite 100% remember exactly where the story was when I first picked it up. Like I said, I think it was book two or book three. I feel like it was book, I, I don't remember. But when we get to that issue, I'll point it out because there is a big change that happens to the Wolf Riders. When I first picked this book up back in the 80s, the book was, it's all the same characters, but there are new characters. They're living somewhere different. All this that happened to them, I, I had no clue. But I was, I, I can't, I can't explain to you just how into ElfQuest I was. I bought the role-playing game. There were lead figures that I bought and painted. And for a long time, ElfQuest became my world. And yet, really all that I ever read from ElfQuest are these first 20 issues. There is a lot of stuff that came after. And I have read some of it. They have these, Dark Horse has put out these collections, the complete ElfQuest, something like that. And... A year or two ago, when I first got my my first smartphone, I got books one and two through our local library, through the uh, their digital service, through Hoopla, and I reread the original Quest, and then I the the second or whatever volume had what came after, and I do remember at one point when they started their their because it's all black and white until you get to a certain point, and then it's colored, and I remember thinking that. Because they colored it when digital coloring became a thing. And when digital coloring became a thing and people realized they could do more with digital coloring, they started going a little over the top with it. And I feel like when I when you get to the colored versions, the colored portion of these books, the quality almost goes down because the coloring job wasn't all that great. But here's something that's really exciting. If you want to read along with me, and you don't want to go out and buy these books, if you go to elfquest.com, there's a link there to read these books. It's like most, not everything. I, I think the final quest, which is 
the last thing that was published before the new story that's being published right now, I think everything up to the final quest is out there to read for free digitally. And it's offered to you by Richard and Wendy Peeney. This isn't an illegal site. They are there. They're offering that stuff for you to read for free. And everything is fully colored. The original quest I guess they're using the Marvel versions. I don't know because it was fully colored when they when Marvel did it, and it was. I now I can't remember if my uh, the four volumes that we had back in the day. If those were, I feel like those were fully colored as well. But that's that's ElfQuest issue number one. We're just we're just getting started, folks. We're just getting started to relive my childhood through comic books. ElfQuest was oh my gosh, it was huge, and. My wife was recently watching this documentary about females in comics, women in comics, um, talking to a lot of creators, writers, artists, and all this who are big names in comics or have influenced a lot in comic books. Just basically women in comics. It's, it was a, from what I caught, it was a nice documentary. But I happened to walk in while all these uh, women who are current, current names in the comic book industry we're talking about Wendy Peeney because we're talking, these originally came out in 78 and they were huge. First of all, people always point to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as the book that showed you that independent comics could sell. Really, ElfQuest was first. ElfQuest didn't reach the level of, oh, I can't think of the word. They didn't reach the level of mainstream success that the Turtles did, obviously. But ElfQuest was huge in the comic book world. And it was an independent comic. And most mostly created by a woman. Like I said, Richard was there. He helped her write. But really, it was all windy. We know it. Well, we don't know it. I mean, I'm sure Richard had his... Richard co-wrote, right? So that's that's not a small job. But still, she influenced a lot of women. She influenced a lot of women to get into comics because of ElfQuest. And they've they've been trying to make a movie for years. I don't know if they ever will. But it is one of my great loves from childhood, ElfQuest. Does it hold up today? I don't know. I sure as heck am enjoying reading it again. If I had just stumbled across this for the first time today, would I enjoy it as much? I would like to think so. But if you want to check it out, go to ElfQuest.com. And you can read along with me. Read issue number one. That's what we just talked about. Read issue number two. We'll get. We'll have an episode about issue number two in a couple of weeks. Okay? All right, then. That's it. That's my episode. First episode of the season, folks. 2020. We're hitting it hard. I'm out. Bye. Just Another Fanboy is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to feedback at stephenorelse.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr and get instant access to the My Other Podcast podcast, a weekly show about whatever crawls its way into my tiny little mind just moments before I tap record. You can find me on the World Wide Web at StephenOrElse.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or Else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave us a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. Just Another Fanboy is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can find that over at comicspodcasts.com. All links will be in the show notes.
Andy. Good job. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 